Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Just going to be me today. Uh, sorry for no episode yesterday. Uh, it just happens sometimes. Uh, I have a pretty busy life, so sometimes I just can't get to an episode. I feel like every Wednesday is just how it works. But again, for me, uh, school's getting out very, very soon. I thought this Tuesday, so from then on out more consistently. But again, I give you guys basically an episode every day, so it is what it is. Um, but in today's episode, we got a lot on tap today. First, we're going to start with a uh, Game 5 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, Stanley Cup Finals. We're going to do the preview of that. Um, then I'm going to get to Game 3 of the NBA Finals, the Raptors pulling out that big win at Oracle despite Steph Curry's huge 47-point game. Then we're going to kind of talk about this Allen Crab trade a little bit. So a few hours ago, Adrian Wojnarowski announced uh, that Allen Crab would be uh, traded to the Atlanta Hawks for and along with some picks for Torian Prince and a pick. So I'm going to give you the complete breakdown of that pick, my opinion, and who won that trade. So you're going to kind of get it here first, like the complete breakdown, because not many people have done that so far. And then we are going to get one more thing, talk about the Craig Kimbrell signing with the Chicago Cubs. So first, we are going to start with a Stanley Cup Finals preview. So let's get to that. All right, so we know what's at stake tonight. It's Game 5 of the NBA, uh, not NBA, NHL, Stanley Cup Finals, Game 5. The series is tied at 2 in Boston at the TD Garden. We all know what's at stake. This could decide the series. And I said going into Game 3, this could decide the series. And it didn't really. This is going to decide the series. This, I know for a fact, is going to probably decide the series in some way, shape, or form. Uh, game three, obviously every game matters, but game three, I said, there's a good chance this is going to be a huge game that decides series, but it was tied 1-1, and then after game three, the Bruins win, but then the Blues answered back, but again, this could be the same case where the Bruins win this game, and then the Blues answer back, so it's technically still tied going to game seven, but I still think this game is going to play a huge impact. Uh, I think the Bruins, from a Bruins fan, I'm a Bruins fan, from our standpoint, we need this game. I don't want to go down 3-2 going into St. Louis. And then coming back to Boston, and St. Louis is a good team on the road. And overall, I don't know, I just have, I got the willies a little bit. Um, I'm very, a little nervous for tonight's game, as well as I am excited. But I don't want to, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to stay up for the whole game unfortunately, but I don't want to wake up in the morning and see we lost. That that gets on my nerves whenever I wake up and see a sports team lost. I, oh, I just have that minute where I just punch. I don't know. I don't punch anything, trust me, but I just get that. I don't usually, because some of these games, some of them I see the whole thing, but like if it's like a school night and it starts at like 8, what am I going to do, you know? I'm not staying up till midnight and, you know, got to wake up at 6 in the morning, but some of these, you know, I wake up in the morning, see they lose, and I, I just get frustrated. I guess it's just me as a uh, sports fan, but especially with this much at stake, I know if you lose this game, there's not a great chance you uh, win the Stanley Cup Finals. I'm not going to count you out of it, but the big headline coming into tonight, and I really apologize if you guys are listening and the game already happened, but hey, uh, it's before the game from here right now. The big headline is, will the Big Zs, Dane O'Chara, and Matt Grislyk play tonight? Um and when it comes down to what I believe Zidane Ochara will play, uh, it looks like Zidane Ochara, he, uh, he's the morning skate. 
He's in, participated in the morning skate. Yahoo, uh, 36 minutes ago, tweeted out, or didn't tweet out, but said, it looks like Zidane Chara will dress for game five with a broken jaw. Now, I do believe he's going to play. I do think Char is going to play, whether that means a little bit of limited ice time or what, because it's going to be a little tough for him. Again, you don't need your head in hockey, but he could take a hit. It's going to be tough for him to breathe. He's just going to need to find a way to breathe. And because I heard this thing, you know, someone said, all you need to do is find a way to breathe. That's like, oh, you're drowning. All you have to do is find a way to breathe. But I don't want to say it like that. But as long as he can go out on the ice and be able to play a solid game to the point where, you know, if he's going out there and he says, you know what, I'll be able to play, but you see him in the morning skate, and, you know, you can choose Steve Camfer could do a better job or John Moore, whoever, then don't play him. But if he feels all right and you're like, you know what, he's not obviously 100%, but he'll help our team, you know. know, He's better than some of the other options we have. Certainly play him. And if he feels it's all right, I I expect him to – his minutes to be restricted a little. I still think he'll get around 16, 17 minutes. 15 probably. You know, 15 to 18 minutes I think he'll get tonight. Just maybe me. Maybe he goes down to 12 or 14. I really can't see any lower than 15 though. Um, So I think there's a good chance he plays. I'd say there's like a 75%, 80% chance we play. We creep up to game time. It sounds like he's going to play. Then there's Matt Grizzlick, who said, I'll be ready uh, when asked yesterday on Nesson, when asked if he's going to play in game five. So he said, I'll be ready. He did participate in the morning skate along with Chara, but I don't think there's as good of a chance uh, that he plays as Chara. I think it's kind of more 50-50. I do I can almost guarantee one of them will play. One of these guys will play, whether it's Chara or Grizzlick. I doubt both of them don't end up playing. You know, there's a good chance at least one of them. If both of them play, that's great. Um, and overall, I just think he's a little more of a toss-up um, than Chara. I just feel like we've heard more news about Chara and more positive news that he will play tonight. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But then we have... Let's get into the game. So we've talked about, you know, the defensemen and how crucial this game five is. But, oh, yeah, one more thing I want to get to with the defensemen. I'm sorry about that. But should what should they do with the defensemen? Run seven defense. Run seven defensemen. Uh, right now, you, you got guys like, uh, so you, let's say even Chara, if Chara and Grizzly play, let's say that gives you Chara. Chara and McAvoy on the first line, Krug and Carlo on the second line, and maybe Grizzlick and Moore on the third line. Um, and maybe, you know, you put – again, it's tough because between Moore, Krug, Carlo, and Grizzlick, Krug and Grizzlick um, are t- both midgets, so I'm not going to put them together. So I, I guess I try to split those two up. But I still – and then I, I do seven defensemen because think about it this way – Chara and Grizzlick might need a little bit of uh, limited ice time, or you know they could get pulled out of one of those games. And if the Bruins want to beat this team defensively, they're going to need seven guys tonight. Miller can't play, so I'd say Connor Clifton or a Steve Camfer is going to have to play tonight. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be a Connor Clifton or a Steve Camfer playing. Or even Clifton for John. Mo- it could go this way where we see – no, actually, yeah. So let's say – you got Chara, McAvoy, Krug, Carlo, Grizzlick. Huh. 
Grizzlick Moore. All right, John Moore and then Connor Clifton is your seventh guy, or John Moore is your seventh guy. Uh, again, Steve Camfer. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from him for this one. I'll take Connor Clifton over Steve Camfer, and I'll take John Moore over Steve Camfer as well. And it seems like they already you know want that, uh, but. They got some injuries. They definitely got some guys banged up. You obviously, you know, Kevin Miller can't play. So I'm not going to play Vakanainen either. So not just me. I think that's what they're going to roll with defensively. But overall, the Bruins, what do they have to do better from game five? Uh, well, for me, their forecheck has to be much better. Uh, the forecheck just has to be much, much, much better. I think. You know, you. I think Tuka Rask's got to step up just a little more. I know, you know, he's been he's been all right. I'd say he's been a little over average, but he's got to stand on his head a little more. And maybe if he has to steal the game, steal the game. I think he's got to try to play a little better. He's played better than Bennington, but he's kind of cooled off a little since and kind of came back from his superhuman ways. And your offense really has to get going. A bird, Pasternak looks scared to take a hit, and Martian looks kind of conservative out there. And I think Martian's kind of the guy that might get you going in a way. And then, you know, Bergeron's just been kind of on and off, and I think you know he hasn't had a lot of help. Again, I I said this uh, last episode, which was Tuesday. I said I I want to see some adjustments made where we put Pasternak with Krejci to give Krejci some help and maybe float Heinen between the first and third line. I'm not touching Coyle or Johansson. I'm not touching that fourth line with Corrali. Keep those all the same. Those are working for you. It's the first and second lines you need to produce. Give Krejci some help with Pasternak and put Heinen up there on the first line. you got to get Martian in a fight. Yeah, I'm shocked Martian has played this conservative and Pasternak's afraid to take a hit. At this stage, you've got this far and you're afraid to take hits. Uh, so I just I just want to see them step up. The forecheck's got to be better. I think we got to um, try to make this a special teams game. The uh, The refereeing has been very spotty this series. I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, I feel like Craig Berube maybe got in their head a little. Uh, I think it's been very uh, inconsistent. The uh, refereeing has, whether that's, you know, bad penalty calls, whether the penalty was too soft, or they just flat out missed the penalty. It's just been wildly inconsistent. So I don't know what to expect. The uh, NHL, I said, it can really rig this series. They can keep it five on five and call about no penalties and help the Blues win, or they can call a ton of uh, penalties and help this be a special teams game and help the Bruins win because we both know the Bruins penalty kills much better than the Blues power play and the Bruins power play might be one of the best in the league and the Blues penalty kill is eh. You know, that game three wasn't, was uh, yeah, it was game three. It wasn't too great, four for four. So the Bruins, they got to get more pucks on net as well, I will say that. So try to make it a special teams game. Your four checks got to be better. Make those adjustments. Pasternak on the second line, Heinen on the first. Uh, go with seven defensemen tonight and uh, more shots on net. You got to get more shots on net and try to create some things. Again, Bennington, he's been shaky so far this series. So you just get some more pucks on net, keep up with their physicality, and you should be all right. I know that's a lot to ask, but as long as you can check off most of those boxes, you should be good tonight as well. I think Rask's got to step up just a little more, and he's been all right. He's been a little over average and better than Bennington, but. All right, that's uh, my kind of preview for tonight's game. So now we're going to get to last night's game three of the NBA Finals. So let's get to that. All right, so today Adrian Wojnarowski reports that the Nets are trading Alan Crabb, the number 17 pick in this year's draft, in a 2019 uh, well, uh, sorry, excuse me, a 2020 lottery protected first round picks, a pick to the Hawks for forward Torian Prince and a 2021 second round pick. 
league sources said. Uh, but the deal can't even be finalized until July 6th. Today's June 6th. So we have another month till this deal can even be finalized. So the reason I, I wanted to talk about this, so my plans for today's episode was just to do, I have a lot of things I want to get to. Like I've made uh, some more off-season breakdowns, but I want to get to the you know Stanley Cup preview, the Raptors versus Warriors game, and then the Craig Kimbrell signing. And then this came up, so I said, all right, we'll just make this episode a little longer and add this in there too. Again, this could end up just being totally blown up. Both sides have mutually agreed they want to do this trade, and it makes sense for both sides. I bet the Nets are so eager to do this deal. And I think the Raptors, I mean, it makes sense why both teams would do it. I do believe this trade will end up getting finalized and it will hold off for a month because think about it. The Hawks said they want to be a place for salary dump. They said, you know, you can dump your salary here. It's going to come out of price for some draft picks, but go ahead and do it. And the Nets said they really are really interested in Kyrie Irving and other big-time free agents. So they want to fill up some max. They want to uh, get in some more max slots. So we can get Kyrie, retain D'Angelo Russell, I'm assuming. Um, but overall, the steal. So, again, I'll say it again. Alan Crabb, who just has a horrible contract, the number 17 pick, and a... 2020 lottery protected first round pick. Now with the lottery pick, um, it's lottery protected. So if it does, if basically if the Hawks make the playoffs, the Nets get that pick. Well, let's say uh, the Hawks, uh, excuse me, the Nets. If the Nets make don't make the playoffs, they get to keep the pick. So it's basically lottery protected. Uh, I'm sure you know all about that, and then. If all right, so apparently in 2021 it's water protected again, and then in 2020, all right, so then the same will also happen in 2022. The pick is still water protected in 2021, it'll convert to two second round picks, which would be a huge blow. But here's the thing the Nets are making the playoffs, they made it this year, they get a Kyrie Irving. I think it's pretty safe to say they will probably make the playoffs and get higher than the sixth or seventh seed, uh, will succeed. I think they'll be, you know, at least the seventh seed this year. I can't really see them dipping off the Nets. The Hawks will get that pick. So, I mean, the Hawks are basically taking in a huge sal- uh, huge $18.5 million contract for two uh, out- non-lottery picks, one of them right outside the lottery. And they're giving up a second-round pick in Torian Prince. If you ask me, this is a win-win deal. Both teams are getting what they want. The Hawks want to be major players for big free agents, but they know they won't be. So realistically, they're saying, dump your big contracts here. It's going to come out of price for some picks, but that's what we want to do. Um, and they're getting that big contract, and they're getting two first-round picks, You know, assumingly that those two don't turn into seconds, that lottery protected. I doubt it will be. So, you know, they're basically getting the big contract, but they're getting two first-round picks out of it. And then the Nets are saying, we want to be big contenders for these big-time free agents and fill up uh, and get some more max slots. We want to go after Kyrie. We want to beat the Nets to these Knicks to these big-time free agents. So we're going to get rid of Allen Crabb's contract, and it's going to come at that price, but it's going to be worth it so that way we can get a Kyrie Irving and even bring in a second-round pick and a nice wing in Torian Prince. Torian Prince, to me, isn't the guy that they excuse me, need. I feel like they have a lot of shooting wings. Joe Harris, again, he's not really that great defensively, but Torian Prince isn't stunning defensively either. I think Torian Prince will be a good fit. They don't really need a winger like him, but it'll be a good fit. And to me, if you ask me, it's a win-win trade. If you're saying, Aiden, specify more. Who 
legitimately won. If you ask me who legitimately won, it's the Brooklyn Nets. If I really, really, really had to choose, it's a win-win trade. It makes sense for both sides, but for the Nets, sure, you give up two outside the lottery first, so the odds of one of those working out to be some sort of, to be a starter is probably a 20% chance. So, and they give up a bad contract in two outside the lottery first round picks. It's gonna be two outside the lottery first round picks. To open up a max slot, um, so that way you can get Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell back, you get a second round pick, just a little treat, and then uh, Winger and Torian Prince is a great fit. Again, you don't really need him, but he's a great fit and a young player that fits your timeline. And for the Hawks, this gives them now another asset. So now they have the 17th pick as well. They have the 8th, 10th, and 17th pick to make moves. Trading Torian Prince means now they're going to get a Cam Reddish. I think they're going to go all in on Cam Reddish. I really do believe that now, that they've traded Torian Prince a 3 and D wing. I said maybe they could go after Nasir Little, but Little's a defensive-minded player, and the Hawks have kind of shown that they want more 3 and D wings. They want more offensive-minded players. And I feel like Cam Reddish is a guy who could fill in that void for Torian Prince. Again, Torian Prince was kind of a eh, 3 and D winger. He's not a terrific three-point shooter or defender. Cam Reddish is a great three-point shooter, great defender. My question with Cam Reddish is, can he be a little more than a 3 and D wing? And will his three-point shooting and defense really um, convert to the NBA level? Because I think, although he is a 3 and D wing in college, I'm not completely sold that'll actually translate his defense or his three-point shooting. I think it definitely will, but again, can it really translate? I'm not, still not totally sold on that. So I do think they're going to go all in on like a Cam Reddish to kind of fill that void at the small forward for a new 3-and-D wing. I think to see or little, I think they're going to aim for that 3-and-D wing. Again, with Kevin Gerter, he's a you know a great 3-and-D wing, great defender, great three-point shooter. It kind of makes sense to get an Asar Little to kind of complement that. Uh, but Cam Reddish is a great defender as well. Just not as good as Nasir, and Nasir's kind of a guaranteed great defender. So we'll see what the uh, Hawks do. I think this kind of solidifies that at 8 or 10, they go for one of those top small forwards. They also get that pick. But if I legitimately had to choose, the Nets won this trade. But it can't even be, um, you know, this trade can't even be official till a month, literally exactly a month. So just kind of touching up on that and kind of giving you that insight before really anyone else. So now we are going to get to the Craig Kimbrell signing. So let's get to that. All right. So today the Chicago Cubs announced that they will be signing uh, former uh, Boston Red Sox closer Craig Kimbrell to a three-year $43 million deal with a fourth-year club option. Uh, there's a $1 million buyout in that club option for the fourth year. Craig Kimbrell's already 31 years old, and he was kind of announced that he wants around $15 million a year. Kind of settled for slightly under that, but I mean, it's very close. Uh, I don't blame people for not wanting to pay him that much. Um, so then he'll receive $10 million this season, $16 million in 2020 and 2021. So basically, most of that reason is slightly under. He's going to get $16 million the next year, but $10 million this year because, well, he's only going to play, you know, give or take half the season. Um, so I don't blame. That's why it's kind of a little bit of a salary cut. But I was talking about why is Craig Kimber holding out? Craig Kimber wanted to make his stand and say, I'm getting paid that much. I'm not settling for anything less. I want a long-term deal for a lot of money. Uh, I don't blame him because when you're playing well, you don't want to risk it, then get injured or struggle. Right now, the Cubs are in first place, tied with the Brewers, with the Cardinals only two and a half games behind. The Pirates, 
four games behind the Reds, six games behind. I mean, when I look at it, I mostly say the Cubs, Brewers, and Cardinals, but the Pirates and Reds are even threats to take this division. The Cubs overall are a good team. They have good bats, very good starting pitching, but the bullpen could have used a little help. Um, so I dug, did some research. Overall, the um, pitching in Chicago, overall, the bullpen is save-wise. Save save-wise, they only have 13 saves, which is tied for 21st. Boston has 13 saves. Chicago, Texas, Toronto, Chicago, uh, and then Miami. So they're tied. 13 saves is not a lot. So it shows that they've real, they've they haven't had a consistent closer. Well, not a consistent closer, but really haven't had great closing. Their bullpen overall is solid. Um, their bullpen overall in ERA is 10th in the league with a 4.17 ERA, which overall and 200 innings pitched and two thirds. So, I mean, overall, their bullpen's not horrible. Tenth in the league in ERA. They just need a closer. Pedro Strop is usually their closer. Last year, he had 20 saves. This season, he has five saves with a 4.63 ERA. So, he struggled a little bit, and he's on the DL. And then your other guy is Steve Sissick. Uh, who used to play for the Marlins. He's 32 years old, has six saves this season. Besides those two, the, no one else is producing saves. And Pedro Strop is 33 years old, so he's starting to get a little older. You know, he's on the DL. He started to struggle a little bit. So the team said, you know what? We're lacking saves. Let's go out there and get Craig Kimbrell and add an arm to our bullpen. And this is huge. This has to scare the Cardinals, scare the Brewers, scare any team in this division that wants to take it because this just made the Cubs really, really dangerous. Pedro Schrapp is still a pretty reliable closer. Now, he's not too, too reliable, but he's still a guy that you can have close out a few games if Kimbrell starts to struggle a little bit or just needs a breather. A Pedro Schrapp can come in and do it, or even Steve Sisek at times if you want. But Craig Kimbrell's a guy who can really come in here and dominate. Now, I think Craig Kimbrell waited off this long and said, I will get my contract. I'm an elite closer. And he believes that one of these contending teams, like the Cubs, that, you know, are close. It's a close race. You look at the Red Sox, a team that, you know, may be in a playoff position or just out of it that's contending for a World Series and is in a position to win, but they just need that bullpen armor, that closer. I'll be their guy, and at one point they're going to say, you know, we're going to need this guy. We're going to have to pay him. And it is what it is. We're gonna ha- we have to do something. Craig Kimbrell's sitting right here. We're gonna make the move. I think that's kind of what they looked at. Um, it's the Chicago did. They looked at it and said, you know, it's a close race right now. We need a closer. You know, Pedro Strop is injured. He's been struggling. Steve Sisic, thirty-three years old, thirty-two years old. Strop's thirty-three. Sisic, Sisic, Yes, Jesus. Uh, you can just rip on me for that, is 32 years old. So, you know, they're getting a little older, becoming a little less reliable, starting to go on the DL at times. So they decided, you know, we're going to bring in Kimbrell and become legitimate threats, and this just really helped their division odds. I picked the Cardinals to win the whole World Series, 
and I expected the Cubs to miss the playoffs, and right now the prediction is not looking so hot because the Cardinals are in third and the Cubs are in first. So we'll see what happens. Still a lot of baseball to be played. Uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, obviously, we haven't talked to the Red Sox in a while, so hopefully tomorrow's episode we can go over this great Royal Series where they just beat up on a bad team, bullied this team, and we'll get... I don't know what else we'll do. I know we'll do that. We'll probably react to uh, Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals, maybe do some... Uh, you know, off-season breakdowns or something along those lines, but I still don't know exactly what we're going to do. Also, uh, go call it on the Anchor mobile app, type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk, send a voice message, and go follow my Instagram, After the Buzzer Sports Talk. No uppercase, so all lowercase and no spaces. Again, that's After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you next time.